Okay, so I am bringing into the conversation Eric Massey, who was unable to join us in the studio, but he was the person that recommended this book to me back at a Michigan Psychedelic Society meeting months and months ago when we thought we were going to get together and do it live in front of a meeting and then everything changed and we weren't able to do that and then it took us a long time to get us all on the same page and to get the books in the mail and then when it came to the actual recording day he couldn't be available on that day and we were super bummed but um the reason why i'm having this little separate conversation with him is because he has had plenty of ayahuasca experiences under his belt um himself and others. And since that is the plant medicine that this book focuses on oh, mostly, um, I just wanted to give Eric Massey a chance to talk about why he was drawn to that experience and what healings he was focused on and, and all of that. So hi, Eric. Hi, Shelly. Hey, I wish you could have joined us, but it's okay. I'm excited next, to hear was, your story. I was going to say next time for sure. I apologize again. So. Oh, no problem. No problem. So tell me um, a little bit about your story. Yeah. So let's see. It was eight years ago that I was first introduced to ayahuasca. Um, you know, I met the mother of my child at a music festival and we were high on LSD and she knew that, you know, I was sort of like a psycho knot and, um, you know, we quickly like fell into a relationship and then she said, Eric, have you ever heard of ayahuasca? And I was like, no, I haven't. Um, and she's like, well, you should check it out. So I did a little bit of research and found um, the light in Peru. Uh, and so I booked us both a trip there. And that was my first ayahuasca experience in 2012. Um, and what, what was that? It, it cut out a little bit. What was the name of the place? The light? Uh, yeah. Temple of the Way of Light. Temple of the Way of Light in Peru. Okay. And so you, yeah, you two went together. Peru. Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. We just talked about and, a lot in the book. Okay. Right. And so, um, you know, I did a 12 day retreat there and I drank the medicine seven times in 12 days. And that is a very, uh, I would say intense introduction to the medicine. Yeah. Um, and it was extremely powerful. I mean, you know, growing up in America, growing up with a military father, uh, I would say that I absorbed a lot of the culture uh, and what I perceived to be the toxic culture. So there was a lot of like toxic masculinity, objectific objectification of women, um, all sorts of things that as a male, a young male growing up in America that I soaked up. And for me, the, the seven ceremonies in 12 days was very much an intense purge and detox, um, not only of some of that conditioning, but also too of some of the traumas that I uh, experienced, you know, growing up in the environment that I did. So what I like to tell people about that first seven ceremonies in 12 days was it, when I left the Temple of the Way of Light, it felt basically like my brain prior to going was this like dirty, wet rag with all of this toxic shit. And it literally just got uh, wrung out and like everything was cleansed and, and 
you know, 95% of the shit that I walked into the retreat center carrying with me was gone when I left. Um, another way that I like to describe that experience was like, imagine like a giant whiteboard, you know, like a 10 foot by 10 foot whiteboard just scribbled with all of this conditioning. And mm-hmm. basically the shamans with their ikaros and the medicine, like 95% of it was wiped clean. And so I left there much more blank slate than when I entered. Um, and it was very apparent. It was like, wow, you know, I've done LSD, I've done mushrooms, I've smoked DMT, but this medicine is very, very potent and very special. And I think in a way that is different than all the other substances, it's very, very, very medicinal. It is like, I'm not saying that those other substances aren't medicinal mm-hmm. or have therapeutic value, but for me, and I know everyone has their own medicine, but for me, ayahuasca is like huge, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've even tried ibogaine. Um, but yeah, ayahuasca is, is just extremely powerful medicine. And so I, I kind of like fell in love with the medicine. I was like, wow, like I'm a grandmother's boy, you know, like. Yeah. And did you, did you, when you went down there, would you say that you had a feeling that you knew what you wanted to heal? Like, did you bring an intention or was it just exposed to you? I had Through... no idea. I had no idea, Shelly. Oh, no wow. Idea. Yeah. 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 It was just the plant yeah. going, here's what we're going to fix. Exactly. And so, you know, you. that. Yeah. That's, that's the wisdom of ayahuasca is, um, you know, a lot of times people will bring in intentions. And I think that it is important to have, have an intention, to have a kind of like a framework of why you're seeking out this experience. Um, mm-hmm. But the medicine is so intelligent. So a lot of times I hear from people like, oh, I wanted to check this, 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 and this mm-hmm. off the list. Well, I checked all of those off the list. And then I had like a boatload more that I had no idea that I needed to address. Mm, wow. Wow. And what about your girlfriend uh, at the time? Was it as powerful for her? Did she come away with profound change? And So, you know, Shelly, that's an extremely interesting question. So... Mm-hmm. The way that the Temple of the Way of Light facilitated the ceremonies is you've got 20 people coming in from random places. It's a group mm-hmm. usually that nobody knows each other, uh, maybe a few couples or whatnot. Her experience and my experience were relatively opposite. Like my first ceremony was just an introduction. The second mm-hmm. ceremony, the medicine showed me like, Eric, you are the infinite. You are God. You are like the light. And I was like, questioning that. I'm like, is that just my ego talking? Like, is this just like inflation? And the third ceremony, the medicine showed me like, no, no, you are the infinite. Everybody is the infinite. Everybody has God looking out of their eyes. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth ceremony, like I was just completely obliterated and destroyed and there was no Eric left anywhere. I got blasted to smithereens. Mm -hmm. So um, baby mama, the mother of my child, she had a very, very dark, scary, terrifying experience. Um, oh, in, no. In the, in the several hundred ceremonies that I have under my belt and, you know, having talked to a lot of people who have had a lot of ceremonies, I 
don't think I've heard of anyone having as terrifying experiences as she had. So, you know, she had, yeah, she was traumatized by the medicine, but it wasn't the medicine. It was the lack of, you know, American facilitator or specialized care. Like I think she came into the experience with a lot of trauma, perhaps more so than other people might've had. So she Mm -hmm. had visions of, being gang raped by the shamans. She had visions of being chained to a tree and cut in half with a chainsaw. She had visions of looking up at the night sky and literally all of the stars blanking out and just witnessing pure terror and blackness and darkness. Oh, Um, so she only made it. she, She, yeah, it was, it was extremely traumatic for her. Um, she only made it through three ceremonies <clears throat> and the, um, the fourth ceremony, she freaked out and she ran away from the, the Maloka and it caused a big ruckus because, you know, they're trying to keep everyone safe and they don't know like, yeah. is she like face down in the, in the pond? Like, where is she? So it was a big search and rescue mission. Luckily she was okay. She was hiding in the, the private little tombo where we were sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. So Part of my understanding of why all of that happened and occurred for her is she went into the um, retreat basically lacking a lot of previous healing experiences and also Mm -hmm. to like she had a lot of unhealed trauma that was Mm. coming up to be be processed. Jeez. Um, and so that's, I think that's, I think Shelly, that's, that's why they call it the hero's journey because it is not an easy journey. Um, especially when you're accessing like some of your deeper traumas and deeper fears, it takes real courage to show up and to continue doing the work. And <clears throat> the wisdom is also that it's never wise to open a can of worms and then not empty that can of worms out. Like if you open up a can of worms and you just start looking at it, like that's going to not bode well for the rest of your life and living your best life. Yeah. So that was 2012. It's 2020 now. And how had, how did that blank slate experience affect your next six or seven choices? You know, because obviously you stayed in touch with the medicine and obviously you stayed in touch with being Mm. a, a psychonaut, but why did that become like your medicine and how did that affect the next few things that you did? I don't know if you went to school after that or got married and divorced or, you know, traveled the world or I I don't know what you did after that. So tell tell me about a little bit about what the medicine did after that. Yeah. So I just want to clarify for um, legal purposes that I no longer drink ayahuasca, um, you know, I actually have a court order saying that I'm not allowed to drink ayahuasca and I, uh, you know, stay okay. within the limb uh, placed on me. However, however sure. uh, there's a song that I, le- that I learned in Peru, which is, uh, it's, a, it's a Holy Mary hymn from the Santo Daime Church. Mm-hmm. And the first line is, Forever I will praise my mother, Holy Mary, shining forth your silver light to the blind, you give the gift of sight. And so what I like to say is that forever, 
forever. I will praise my mother, Holy Mary. So basically where I'm at now, uh, you know, I'll backtrack and say kind of where I went, but I learned so much and have learned so much from the several hundred ceremonies that I've done. You know, I basically have a left. And so, you know, that's the most important part of ceremony is after ceremony. Like technically Mm -hmm. it, it seems, it seems odd or ironic or paradoxical, but the easy part of ceremony is ceremony. The hard part of ceremony is going into your daily life and living in Mm -hmm. truth, in alignment with the teachings and the insights that ayahuasca gives us. And so my process, you know, was I got back from the temple of the way of light and, you know, my life changed uh, Mm -hmm. significantly. I would say it was, it was very much like a reorienting process um, you know, still being so imbued with the the medicine and the plant teachings and mm-hmm. the Icaros. Um, however, you know, if you take somebody out of a toxic situation, you put them through this like super intense cleansing process and purifying process, but then they go right back into the toxic situation you know, what's going to happen is people are going to reabsorb some of that toxicity. And so that was part of my process was, you know, getting cleansed and purified, but then going back into toxic situations and Mm. not having the wisdom or the knowledge or the experience to understand that my responsibility was to make really big changes in my environment, in my relationships. And so that was kind of stuff that came, I think, a little bit more later down the line as I studied more and as I drank more to really value and um, have integrity in the integration process. Mm, And, um, you know, one of my teachers, Roman from the Paititi Institute, he said, you can drink thousands of liters of medicine, but if you don't integrate, it's not going to do you any bit of good. And so I have seen multiple people that have drank 500 plus times and even some people that have drank a thousand plus times and you might have a conversation with such a person and ask yourself or think to yourself like, has this person ever drank ayahuasca? Just based on their level of consciousness, based on their actions. And and so the, the few times that I've seen that, I think I just think to myself, like, yeah, this person hasn't integrated anything. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm speaking from my own personal experience because that was, you know, I lacked integration and proper yeah. and, and integrity. That's, that's, it's it's talked about in the book a lot. Um, the intention is everything, the follow-up is everything, the mm, yes. going back, you know, going away and then coming back and falling into old habits and you know, there's one thing to have this amazing plant spirit awareness, but then the world is still there. And Correct, yeah. Yeah, and so a lot of that, you said you hadn't dipped into the book in quite a while, but, you know, it's basically formulated around the case studies of a bunch of different pasajeros and what they were overcoming and his own journey of healing, um, Dr. Joseph Tafur. 
uh, his own journey of healing. And what we were talking about in the discussion group is if you're not healing yourself, then there is no path to shamanism just based on number of times that you've done it. You know, it's, it's about self-healing and learning, letting the plant be your teacher and then self-healing and learning, letting the plant be your teacher over and over and over again. Yes. Yes. So yeah, that was fascinating. That was fascinating. You know, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I listened to a podcast with um, a shaman facilitator. Um, he's a gay guy from Spain. His name is Javier Reguero. And he's got two books out. Um, one is Ayahuasca and the other is San Pedro. Um, but I heard a podcast with him and the you know interviewer was asking him, like, what is your approach to the medicine work? And Javier said that his approach was shadow work that he primarily approaches ceremony from a framework of shadow work. And so like, what is shadow work? Shadow work basically in a nutshell is like, we are coming to this medicine because we need medicine. Why do we need medicine? We need medicine because we are diseased. We are unwell. We need help getting better. And what do we need help getting better from? It's that toxicity, it's that trauma, it's that mental illness, depression, anxiety, all of these mal mal eases, these illnesses. And that's kind of like in the shadow realm of things. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, you know, the healing that each individual engages on, and especially I think the shamans and the maestros and the facilitators, as they deepen into the process, it very, very much is one of self-healing first and foremost, because it's mm-hmm. sort of like, how can you be a, an unwell person and help others be well? How can you be an angry person and help people be peaceful? It's just not how things work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really like that idea, though, of shadow work in the sense that, like, you know, the medicine and the maestros are really helping people to heal their shadows and to integrate their shadows because the shadow is part of who we are. It's part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have the light and we have the shadow and it's not something to be like shunned or pushed away, but rather to take a look at the wisdom of ourselves and and of our organisms and see like, okay, why did these sort of more shadowy coping mechanisms arise? And the truth is in my perspective, that the shadow serves a purpose of protecting us in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. But then I think at a certain point, we outgrow those protective mechanisms or those coping mechanisms, and they more so impede us on our our evolution and and growth and maturation processes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, that was a lot. I don't know. Well, no, no, no. It's interesting because I guess I have one more question, and that would be... You've probably watched a lot of people go through ceremony. And do you have any, like, one or two standout stories of healing from other um, ceremonies? Yes, I would say so, absolutely. Um, So I'm going to change the person's name. Um, But this was a ceremony many years ago. so I'm going to share two stories, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll try and keep them brief. Sure. Yeah. So one story, one story was when I was assisting in ceremony. 
um, you know, many years ago. And um, I was singing a song and I was shaking my rattle. And this person um, joined in with a song and he joined in with several songs. And, you know, it, it was sort of like I was thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let it ride. But eventually it got to the point where I had to say something to him like, hey, please don't rattle along with the song. You know, only do that if like I ask you to do that. Mm-hmm. And so the thing about ayahuasca is people are in very amplified states of consciousness. People become very sensitive. There's a lot of, um, you know, even regression into childhood and in very early life, uh, emotional mm-hmm. patterns arising. Well, I didn't do a good job uh, of mm, getting a little bit more history of that person. So I was unaware of some of what he was bringing into ceremony baggage-wise. But it turned out mm. that that, sim- that simple comment that I made, please don't um, you know, rattle along with the songs unless I ask you to, triggered for him his childhood trauma and the abandonment of him, of him by his mother when he was only two years old. Mm-hmm. And so he did not see his mother for the next 30 years of his life. And oh my gosh. basically what happened when I, yeah, he was abandoned and it was like real deal abandonment. And that was a huge trauma for him. So when I said, don't sing along with a song, please, in a very soft, gentle way, it triggered all of his trauma and abandonment. And then he transferred it onto me. And so for the rest of the night, he was like, Eric doesn't want me here. Eric is rejecting me. I'm not loved. I'm not welcome. I'm not safe. And he literally, Shelly, he was crying for five hours. And like, I... And my, my fellow friend were doing our very best to like, let him know that we did love him. We did want him there. And, and, you know, it was a really, really, really rough night for him. Like Mm -hmm. he did not want to come back for the second night. However, um, a personal friend of his convinced him like, Hey, it would be really good to come back for the second night. Mm -hmm to help, you know, further do some clearing work. And he did come back. And his night one versus his night two was literally night and day. Yeah. It was the opposite. All of that stuff that came up, all of that trauma and abandonment, the second night it all got cleared out. Mm. And he was so happy and so grateful. I mean, tears of gratitude and joy and happiness. Like... You know, he just did some extremely major work in his life. Wow. Yeah. And so I think with that story, and before I share the second story, which is my own, um, it's important that I, uh, the way that I see the medicine working is like, you know, usually in one ceremony, in one night, you'll drink, usually drink two cups. Sometimes if people need it, they can drink the third cup. But mm-hmm. what happens is the first cup goes inside of us and it stirs up some of the dredges. It stirs up some of the shadow and the yucky stuff. 
and even yucky. The second dose comes in and it helps to clear all of whatever the first dose stirred up, clear out. And so, you know, the wisdom is, and again, this wisdom was imparted to me by my teacher, Roman, from the Paititi Institute, that Mm -hmm. if you feel feel sick, if you feel nauseous, or if you feel tired, drink more medicine, because it's going to help with all three of those. Mm. And so... I think that within a single ceremony, the first, ser- the first dose stirs it up, the second dose clears it out. And then when you have back-to-back ceremonies, the same kind of a phenomena occurs where the first night stirs up a lot of your stuff and the second night will clear a lot of it out. And so mm. that, that particular individual came back for the second night and he cleared out a lot of trauma. Right on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that one really stood out for me. I think the, uh, the other one, what's that the I'll institute, is, what's the institute you're referring to? What's it called? The Paititi Institute. P-I-T-I-T-I-T-I. Okay. Um, I can send you a link for it. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, yeah, Roman is a really, really great guy and a, and a good friend of mine. I, I have a lot of respect and love for him. Um, so the second story that I'll share, and, and we probably wrap it up on this note, is um, yeah. I had been apprenticing with a teacher of mine in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I had total done about 70 ceremonies with her. And, um, you know, it was uh, the winter solstice, which is the longest night of the year, and it was my seventh ceremony of the month. And, you know, basically I had been drinking ayahuasca every single weekend, uh, two nights every single weekend. And it was my seventh night. But so what I heard was <laughs> it was 70 times you were apprenticing. It was the longest night of the year. It was seven weekends in a row. Um, Three, uh, four weekends in a row. So four it was weekends seven. in a row, seventh ceremony. There was 40 or 50 people in the room. Yeah. I think I got all that. Okay. Okay. Okay, Chicago. cool. So anyway, I drank my first dose and, and it was after the process of apprenticing with her where I no longer got to moderate my doses. Mm-hmm. Um, she just poured me like big doses every single time. Mm-hmm. So I drank my first dose and my experience was the most terror and fear that I'd ever felt in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is I was laying down on my mat and all of a sudden the world flipped upside down. I was hanging off of the edge of the earth. My body became paralyzed and I was literally being eaten alive by demons. And it it was, it was terrifying, Shelly. I mean, this, you're talking to somebody who has several thousand overall journeys under their belt in Mm -hmm. terms of all substances. Mm -hmm. And i never had felt this much terror in my entire life. Um, I, you know, I consider myself a pretty strong guy. Like other people are freaking out and I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm the one who's got my head on my shoulders. This time I tried screaming because I was dying, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't scream because I was paralyzed. All I could do was moan. And I, and basically I went, I went, uh, uh, like to let my teacher know I'm dying. I am literally mm-hmm. dying. Please come and save me. And 
you know, thank God she, she sensed where I was at. Um, she came over and she rattled for me and like protected me and took care of me. So then what happened is I came out of the experience. The world flipped right, right side up. I wasn't mm-hmm. paralyzed or being eaten by demons. I was back in my body. I was safe. And I was like, thank God. But then it happened again. I flipped into the experience again. And then I came out of it. And then I went back into it. And then I oh, came out of gosh. it. And I went into it, Shelly. I went into this four times. Literally, I'm frozen. I'm upside down. And I'm being eaten alive by demons. And I'm dying. And I'm trying to scream. But I can't even scream because I'm paralyzed. And the fourth oh time... God. the fourth, Yeah, it was terrifying. It was pure terror. The fourth time that I came out of it, I sat up and I said, can I swear? Or does it get beeped out? No, you can swear. Okay. I said, fuck that. I was like, fuck that. I am not letting that happen again. What I realized was that, you know, A, I was laying down, which is an extremely vulnerable position. So, Mm -hmm. you know, advice that I give to people is if you're ever feeling overwhelmed or the medicine is too strong or you're scared, sit up, be in your power, be in your strength. Um, So I was laying down, I was in a vulnerable position, 40 or 50 people in the room. There's a lot of weird energy flying around. I hadn't Mm -hmm. been properly integrating. I would have been smoking pot on like the weekdays, you know? Yeah. I wasn't, I didn't have my shit together. So I sat up and I'm like, fuck that. I'm not letting that happen again. I was allowing myself to go into that experience. And I said, nope, not again. So then shortly thereafter, my teacher calls for the second dose. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, hell no, I'm not drinking any more medicine. Mm -hmm. No. But then I remembered what Roman said. I listened to the medicine And I realized like, yeah, as much as you don't want to drink more medicine, Eric, you need to drink more medicine. So Mm -hmm. I took my second dose and within 30 minutes, it was the opposite. I went from hell to heaven. I literally became untouchable. I became the infinite. I had fractal rainbow stardust emanating from the marrow of my bones Literally, the feeling was that the entire world, my family, all the beings and creatures and humans, the entire world could have poofed out of existence and been destroyed, but I would still be here because I was the infinite. Mm. And I was in an untouchable place. Nothing could touch where I was at. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was mm-hmm. the, it was the ineffable. So I went from terror and pure to the most blue bliss and and unity and wholeness that exists. Mm-hmm, I went from one mm-hmm. opposite to the other. Yeah. And uh, you know, shortly there shortly thereafter after I had that experience, my buddy Caesar came over and he's like, "Hey Eric, there's, you know, there's a situation in the girls' bathroom. They need your help." And it was my night off. I'd been holding night the previous holding space the previous night, but I was like, "Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm great. I'll come help." And basically there was a woman, Claudia, that was in the bathroom and she was having the exact same experience that I was having as with my first dose. And so, you know, I coached her through it. I helped her through it. 
and I brought her back into, into the fold in reality. And it was like, you know, I could directly transmit where I was at and what I had been through to help somebody else. And so, you know, again, Mm. that process of becoming a facilitator of becoming a shaman is you have to go through the experience yourself. And so I just want to say that I know a couple of people, Shelly, that have 40 or 50 ceremonies under their belt and they're trying to facilitate. And I've heard directly feedback from pasajeros, from participants that they, you know, kind of got their shit rocked and were left in a very open, vulnerable state and that they kind of got quote unquote fucked up from that person's ceremony. And I said, yeah, that person doesn't know what they're doing. Like 40 or 50 ceremonies is not enough. The importance of having walked the path of having faced your own shadow, your own fear, your own darkness. And the the critical importance of that in order to be a decent, if not a good or an excellent facilitator or shaman. Because if you haven't faced that darkness within yourself, when other people start to face it, then you're not going to know how to deal with it. And so I know a couple of people that have Mm -hmm. 30, 40, 50 ceremonies under their belt and they're trying to be facilitators. And I think that it's dangerous and it's not not good. So basically what I would say to everyone that's listening is do your due diligence and be very, you know, selective and listen to your intuition and feeling when you're seeking out somebody to uh, drink medicine with, or, you know, seeking out a facilitator. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I think even, I think, yeah, it's, it's really important to have a lot of experience and to have gone through the process of healing mm-hmm. before we try and heal, heal others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for making the time. I'm sad you could be with us right then, but at least we got your, your experiences recorded and, uh, I'm I'm planning a Peru trip myself right now with a couple of people who've been down there. And um, so I have never had the experience, but have been, you know, learning more and more about plant spirit medicine in the last couple of years in different ways. Have you ever read the book that's just called Plant Spirit Medicine? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that on Reads and Weeds of several months back. And I you know, it's, it's a whole world opening up a whole world of the master plants and of just a whole shift in how I think about plants being used and how ignorant I, I guess I've believed in plant spirit magic, I guess, but I, I, I feel like it's so hidden it's so hidden from pretty much our whole country, I would say, pre-post us taking out Native Americans. You know, I feel like it's been hidden, uh, ancient ceremonies. So I am eager to learn more, and I appreciate, you know, you sharing. Yeah, and I just want to say thank you, Shelly, for inviting me to add on to the conversation. And Yeah, uh, yeah be able to share. I, I really appreciate that. And I hope that, uh, yeah, hope that everyone listening gets a chance to, uh, if they feel the call, check out the medicine for themselves yeah. because it is, yeah. it is the real deal. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for, thanks for the recommendation of the book. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it.
Yeah, great. Okay, yeah. excellent, Shelly. Look forward all to right. staying in touch with you. Thank you. All right, all right. Bye. Bye.